Um, so I'll just kind of kick this off. Uh, hey, everyone, this is John at the Bumbling Yeti podcast, uh, episode number 24. Uh, today is actually exciting. This actually just happened right now. So my guest today is Lisa Garrison. She and I graduated together, although she looks considerably younger than I do. Um, we did graduate together. Uh, we haven't really, I mean, I haven't seen you in 20 plus years, right? Plus. But, but the wonders of Facebook and, um, you know, all that kind of, you know, brings people together. So again, Lisa, I appreciate it. And Lisa is a school teacher, right? Yep. So uh, what I want to talk about here, uh, Lisa put out a Facebook post and with the times that we're going through right now, I like to get different perspectives. So I have my own perspective as a parent and Lisa, I don't know if you listen to podcasts. If you don't, you're not going to offend me. Um, but the last podcast I did was about being a parent and trying to balance a career. So Carl Rudiger's wife, Dominique, put out a post that kind of spurred that conversation for me, at least for the podcast. So, and um, I'll just touch on that and then we'll start, you know, kind of having the conversation. But the one thing that she said was every parent's dream, going to fail your kid or fail your career right? So from a parent's perspective, uh, and that's what my last podcast was about, I got to spend two weeks with my daughter um, in Virginia, but and my kids are 16 and 14, so they're older. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to understand from, from your perspective, and if you could just give me a little bit, bit of background on like, you know, what age you teach and all that, and then we can kind of get into this. So I was uh, fortunate. I graduated from Westchester in 2002 and I've had a job ever since. You know, I taught kindergarten, I taught third, taught seventh grade math, um, and now I've been teaching fifth grade for over 10 years at this point. Um, they're my loves. I love them. You know, it's a little bit of crazy every day, but I wouldn't change it, you know, change it for the world. Um, and being in education at this point in time, I really thought it was like one of the safest jobs. I didn't ever think that I would be like, oh my gosh, I'm risking my life going into my job. And this year really changed that for me um, and, and gave me even a different perspective on frontline workers, um, those in the medical profession about when this type of thing comes that they really are risking their lives. Right. Um, so, the spring was awful for a lot of educators. Um, and I think that's the part that um, is disconnected from a lot of people. We, I was at work on March 9th and then I was told, okay, you're, you're going home and we're gonna isolate and we're gonna shut things down for a week. And we never went back. Um, and educators around the country, we like we weren't ready for it. We weren't ready for the shift. We had no idea. We were learning on the fly, just as the parents were learning on the fly. Um, and we were like, okay, if we can just get through June, then maybe things will start to get back to normal. And as you know, and as I know, it's nowhere near normal. And now right. we're facing this huge quandary as a country about what to do with our kids, what to do with our parents, what to do with our schools. And the unfortunate thing is that it really is a lose-lose for everybody. And right. as educators, we know that. So I think one of the things from my perspective as a, as a parent, and I agree with you 100%, like you don't think about the frontline workers or the people that were deemed to be essential, right? So. I'm, I'm very lucky and I'm very fortunate. I haven't had to really deal with any of that um, in, in, the, in the line of business that I'm in, uh, but it affected people that I work with and it affects, um, you know, even all the other things. So I'm, I'm in supply chain mm -hmm. and, you know, I work in heating and air conditioning, but supply chain everywhere is broken, right? So it's broken from, you know, being able to get food at this point. I mean, if you go and you want to get a steak or some chicken at a store, you're paying double what it is. Yep. So there's all these different, like everyone's world blew up. Right. And I do understand that. And to your point, I've been back to work in my office, maybe, maybe 10 times since probably March 15th. So I do understand that perspective. Um, and you know, here at upper Marion, they just, I guess the other day, they just voted to go virtual until the very first of the year. So where do you teach at? 
I teach in Shelton School District, and we, okay. re and we also had our vote on Monday to go virtual for the fall semester. Okay, um, all right. Do you so wear your Viking stuff in there? I'm just curious. Yeah, not so much. Yeah, okay. I, I, that's probably very frowned upon. <laughs> Colors are the same, but I probably shouldn't do that. Right, um, I hear you. Yeah, but we got that vote, and on the educator side, side of it, it was really a collective sigh of relief. Um, so as an educator, we do our best work in front of students. Like we really do. There's these little idiosyncrasies and things that you can't pick up on over a computer. There's the interaction. There's that in-person just essence that the teacher gives and that the students give and that we, we play off of each other all day long. Right. And there's no educator that wants to really teach virtually. Right. Uh, it makes our job 10 times harder to try to connect with students to deliver quality instruction. So when they're when when I hear conversations of, you know, you just need to go back and do it, we would love to just go back and do it. Um, yeah. And I think that's part of the voice that's not being heard. I think a lot of the voice that's being heard is that we just don't want to go back. And that was never the case. It was, we don't want to go back shoved in a room um, that we can't social distance in, you know, right. and school was never going to look the same. And, and the one thing that I really tried to get across to people in having these conversations was that people are saying the kids need to go back to school, but they're thinking of the memory of how school used to be. And kids were not going back to that warm and fuzzy environment. Kids were not going back to carpets. They weren't going back to bean bags. They weren't going back to being able to run like crazy people at recess and be near each other. All of those dynamics that make school what it is, those were going to be gone. They were right. literally going to be sitting at a desk all day, eating lunch in their classrooms all day, staying three to six feet away from their peers, not being able to share a pencil or a marker or a colored pencil or a crayon, not really even being able to do physical education the way that they've known it. And so people were in love with this idea of getting the kids back to school so they could get some normalcy, but school was never going to be normal going back. And that's the part that people just, I think, are not choosing well, they, to be oblivious to they just but don't they, but they just don't know right they just don't know yeah. i didn't know that i had no idea so i have a few friends that are teachers and and i think you're i have a nephew who is going into sixth grade he goes to upper marion which is it's hysterical um but you know because i still see like mr jackson and mrs o'brien who's now miss feliciano who's like the athletic director and it's like yeah. it's crazy but um I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't know that it was going to be, I mean, I kind of figured it would be more, more clinical to say the, to say the least um, for, I guess, for lack of a better word, but you know, as a parent, again, I'm very lucky. My kids are old enough to where they, you know, they love the virtual learning. And to be honest, I got both my undergrad and my master's online and mm -hmm. it just worked for me, but it was very tough. And by the way, I was not a good student in school, but I did graduate with my master's with honors. I will say that. And I was not, a, if, if some of my upper Marion teachers found out that I was a teacher, they would be like, well, who let you, who gave you your certificate? <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, and oddly enough, I don't want to get too far off the topic, but um, my, so my oldest daughter is going to be a junior this year. And when I would go to like the parent teacher conferences, I would run into like Mr. Kozel and I'd walk in. He's like, Oh, John, you were a great student. I said, uh, I failed your class. I had to take it during the summer. But, um, you know, there, a lot of them are still there, which is crazy. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand it. And that's what I want to try to understand from, from a parent's perspective, because I, I wasn't crazy about my kids going back to school, mm -hmm. but my kids are older. Now, my nephew, he's an only child, so he's literally at home by himself, right? And then my sister, um, she's a single mom. Mm -hmm. So she has to manage her career. She has mm -hmm. to manage the expectations of a, of an 11 year old boy, you know, who wants to go outside. He wants to play with his friends. He wants to play his video games. He wants to listen to music. And in the meantime, she's working for a publicly traded company where she has responsibilities too. So it's, it's, 
there's many facets to this, right? So from a teacher's perspective, I've heard a lot of things um, from parents saying, oh, the teacher's this, they shouldn't get paid, blah, 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 tax money, this. Like, I, I want people to understand that this is something that no one's really ever dealt with, at least in, in our, in like our even in our parents or our grandparents' lifetime, right? I mean, it, there was things going on, like there was war and all that, and I'm not downplaying any of that. But this is like a worldwide thing. And, you know, even from Florida to Pennsylvania to California, and I'm no expert by any stretch of the mean, and I'm a data nerd, um, which the data I don't have yet, but it, it changes from state to state. And, you know, certain states you come back from, you have to quarantine. Mm-hmm. But you can't, like, I don't, I'm not like a conspiracy guy but I don't really trust people enough to say, you know what? Oh, I know you weren't in this place or that place, yep. you know, families and, and nuclear, you know, the nuclear families kind of gone, right? So you have extended families living in the same house. And especially now with the economy downturn, you have, you know, kids living with their grandparents and their parents yes. and, yes. you know, the compromised immune systems, you know, my nephew yes. has, you know, pretty significant asthma. Is that going to affect him even worse? So these are all things that, that I wonder but getting back to the, the teaching part of it, I hear, you know, and, and I read and I can't imagine what's going through your mind because you don't, you don't teach to like, you're building leaders of, mm-hmm. you know, generations to come. Like I remember fifth grade. I remember that's where I met like Ishma. I met Derek Wolf, you know, Wolf Oak and like all the, in the camping trip and all that kind of stuff. So I remember a lot of that stuff. I remember <laughs> Mrs. Murphy, Mrs. Razor, you know, Mrs. Johnson. And mm-hmm. I remember all that stuff. And these are impressionable times on, on people. And it broke my heart. I coached baseball and there was a lot of kids that didn't have their senior year of baseball. And again, it, it, it gets back to what I know, but I call this the bumbling Yeti because I get super off topic, but you know, kind of teacher, from a teacher's point of view, I think what a lot of people a lot of people believe because we're not in the building, we're not doing the job. And I will say that being home from March until June was the hardest work I'd ever done because I had to relearn or really just learn an entirely different skill set just to do my job. Right. Um, I was still grading. I was still teaching. I was recording videos. I was still doing all of my meetings, my conferences, all of those things. Um, I just had to do them from home. And I was doing them from strange hours in the night. Like I couldn't get some things done during the day. So at three o'clock in the morning, I'm going through Google Classroom. And there are many educators who were in the same position. So, you know, cut our pay, um, you know, just because some, so other people who are working from home, their pay is not being cut. So why automatically want to chop off the pay of educators just because we can't do it from our actual building, you know, and I think education has been somewhat under attack for a couple years um, at this point. And I think this is just kind of spreading, spreading that attack a little bit further Um, for parents. I think um, for parents and teachers alike, we really have to be empathetic of each other. And I feel that's what was lacking um, in many instances. I can say that there were parents who were frustrated because they were trying to work and handle what they had to work to do. But then I feel like there were also some educators who were not empathetic to what was going on in homes. You know, like, well, I'm not, I've, I heard high school teachers saying, well, they weren't accepting late assignments. And I'm like, how can you not accept and just give a little grace at this point in time? And I think that as a society is what we're lacking. Um, I think you nailed that. We're lacking. You nailed that literally on the head. So I'm a big empathy person because you never know what someone's going through. You know, you see mm-hmm. things that probably, I mean, I can't imagine the things that you see as, as a teacher of, you know, of, you know, 10 year old, you know, children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of things and, and I don't want to get into like the darker side of things, but there's a lot of really nasty things happening right now. And especially yeah. around children. I mean, I, I, I don't, 
I don't know what the answer is. And I don't, I don't really think anyone does, but I think you nailed it on the head though when you talked about empathy, because I think that's something we lack, um, we lack in the world, right? So, I mean, all the other stuff going on, you know, we, there's so many different things that if people were just empathetic and sat back and said, you know what, I'm not going to judge you, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't want you to judge me. Um, and, and to that point, you know, even when you're at work, like I know I have to be like, I, I have a, an, an amazing staff, but like, mm-hmm. if they're concerned, I'm concerned, you know, and if a student's yeah. concerned, you're going to be concerned. And if a parent's concerned, you're going to be concerned. But when you're concerned, what happens? Right. So probably not a whole lot of reciprocation. No. And that's where educators are fearful. Um, You have educators who are literally retiring early. At this point, you have um, um, teachers who are taking sabbaticals this year in numbers that we probably haven't seen in a very long time, just to avoid the possibility of being forced into a work environment that could cause them some type of sickness or illness. You know, it goes more than just having a pre-existing condition. Like I have, as you probably do, two parents who are in their 70s at this point. And literally, until the vote came, I was starting to prepare to not see my parents for weeks and months because I didn't want to go to school, pick something up, go try to do something for my parents, and then inadvertently expose my 70-plus-year-old parents to this. And so, like, people want that. We just want the same grace, and we were not being put in environments to ensure our safety. Um, in order to in order to open schools safely, district needed hundreds of thousands of dollars more to buy PPE, to do shields, to do the social distancing, and school districts, as you know, because of the economy, are going to lose their tax dollars. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you increase the cost of doing something and lose money on the same end? And so, there were so many different interlocking wheels and gears moving that parents and community members really are not privy to. Um, and if they really were privy to some of these other conversations, they would say, oh, because it's not a matter of if schools are going to close down again. It's just a matter of when. I mean, right. if, we think, if we think about just regular cold and flu season. It's coming. We're two fact, months away from it. When your children come home, you know that they're carrying the plague. I mean, I love them, but they're gross little creatures. Like, yep. mm-hmm. Well, people <laughs> so, are gross in general. Yeah. They even find that yeah. as an adult. So, you know, you have kids and we see what happens when kids go back to school in September and then when cold and flu season starts, how it just spreads. And so there was going to come a point, no matter what, that cold and flu season was going to start. And we wouldn't be able to tell the difference between whether it was a cold, the flu, or COVID. Right. And then now teachers, oftentimes, what a lot of people don't realize, teachers used to go to school sick. We would, oh, I just had the sniffles. I'm okay. We can't do that anymore. And then how do you get a sub? And then if the teacher is suspected to have it, then what happens to that classroom? What happens to that building? Sure. And it's yeah. just an on, it, it was an on, it was going to be a very quick domino effect. All it takes it's one kid, one adult in one building, right. and the whole the whole system just completely collapses. Yeah, and, and um, not only that, you have, we live in a very litigious society, right? So someone's going to be blamed for it, which means someone's going to, whoever's going to be blamed, mm-hmm. someone's going to come out and say, well, you didn't do, you, Miss Teacher, didn't do this, and you, Mr. Principal, didn't yeah. do that, and you, School Board, didn't do that, and I'm suing you, and I want to get hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars from you because my kid had this. Yeah. So I think that at least that, you know, in corporate America, it's like that, but at the same time, like what you said, the school schools are a, I mean, it should be like an, it's a nonprofit business, right? Mm-hmm. But if you are, if you're not, if you're posting losses all the time, that needs to be made up somewhere, right? So when yep. you look at just the big picture, I mean, the government's one thing, but like school districts are another. Mm-hmm. And here in Upper Marion, they're, we're building a brand new high school, which is going to be amazing. But and I hear people- For three months. Right. So, so you have, you're building a new high school and one of your major revenue streams mm-hmm. for the township 
the, the money maker yep. was closed for almost three months and people don't think that that's going to have a trickle down effect. Yep. Yeah. So there, there are those things that as you know, and I live here in King of Prussia okay. um, and my kids live like a block away from me, but you know, I can actually see the high school, the, the current high school from where my front door is. But, you know, I think that's the thing that people don't understand. It's like, you know, you're, the school district has to balance a checkbook. Yes. And, and, you know, there are so many things that are up in the air right now. There's not a whole lot that anyone can make a firm decision on. And I actually just watched today, the school board, um, the meeting that they had where they, you know, they, they're going ahead with the, with the high school, which they should. And mm -hmm. trust me, you remember, you remember going to school, you remember going to classes outside in the trailers. In the trailers behind yep. the building. Yep. Right. So there are, you know, there needs to be a new high school here, right? It's time. Yeah. Definitely time. time. Now, that being said, there's a lot of people saying, oh, well, they shouldn't build the high school. This like it's this is not this is temporary. It might be extended, but it yes. this whole thing is temporary. Mm -hmm. There's gonna come a point where we either learn how to deal with it, mm -hmm. we learn more about it, and we kind of eradicate it or mm -hmm something's going to, we can't live this way forever. We, forever. It feels like forever, but we can't continue. We can't do this forever. The, the economy and, and people in general can't, can't handle it. Yeah, and, and to speak to kids' mental health, like there is a part mm -hmm. that of us as, as the adults who are responsible for them, whether parent or teacher, know that this is impacting children. Mm -hmm. um, the conversation prior to knowing that school was going to be closed amongst men, educators was we're going to actually have to socialize children to be to re-socialize them and so now we're talking about not just six months of not being around their peers now we're mm -hmm. going on 18 months yep. of abnormal social interaction and so all adults whether parent or educator realize and understand that and as an educator I can do what I can do inside of the bubble and the sphere of influence that I'm given to try to create, you know, the most natural interactions virtually. But then as parents, you know, there's also, hey, if you know families that are doing what you're doing, um, you know, you got to set up those play dates. And I think there's been a lot of pressure on schools to do all of the social emotional um, heavy lifting. And sure. we can't, we just can't do it all. You know, yep. we can't give them the physical interaction. And I think that's what a lot of parents were like, they need to just be around there. I mean, they wouldn't have even been able to play a regular board game in the classroom. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That stuff was going to be gone. And so I think parents kind of have to accept the fact of, you know, find a, find a core group of neighbors, a core group of friends and families that you trust that are doing social distancing the way that you're doing and really set up some, some time for kids to just be kids together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have, so I'm very heavily involved in, in baseball here in Upper Marion. I actually, I'm, I work with the Legion baseball teams and I umpire down at Walker Field, which by the way, completely got annihilated with this rain that we had. I saw that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things. There's been some baseball. There's been a couple scares with um, some people not, we'll just say, not doing what they should be doing uh, mm -hmm. as coaches. Um, but, yeah, the the social interaction piece actually worries me a lot. Like, for me, I'm an adult. Like, I actually really enjoy being alone because, you know, I've learned that people can be not so nice a lot of times, right? Yeah. But, you know, for the most part, I think you hit you hit a really good point that, I hear a lot of people talk about, like, I, I see people saying, what am I going to do with my kid? It's like, how about you spend some time with them? How mm -hmm. about you, you know, teach them about what you like? Yeah. Um, try to find a way. So, and I also, Lisa, look, I'm a big, I'm an optimist. Like I, a few years ago, I was like the biggest jerk ever, like for real. Like I, you know, <laughs> I tell my mom and my sister, I'm like, I don't even know why you guys talk to me anymore. But I have this phrase where I say positivity wins always. It might not be in the law in the short term, but always in the long term. I drew I truly, truly believe in my heart that if mm -hmm. you just remain positive and you take the high road and you live a life, uh, an empathetic life, 
which I do mm-hmm. believe in. Um, but you know, you live an integral life, right? So mm-hmm. it's about doing the right thing, even when no one's watching, right? Yeah. But I'm hearing people say, what am I going to do with my kids? How am I going to do this? Again, I think I'm a big opportunistic guy. Like I think there's opportunities going to come out of this. I think someone like you who is willing to dive in as a, as an educator and as a teacher to say, how can I make this more interactive for my students? Even if you're Mm -hmm. using your own, like you get in touch with your students, parents or, you know, and set up like a, a, a Google classroom or, a Google Hangout, even Sorry, if it's whatever. I didn't understand. That's my Alexa's going off. Actually, that was my <laughs> Google going off. Um, but if you set something up like that, and I think you have an opportunity here to be not only innovative, mm-hmm. but I mean, 10 year olds, you could tell them. I mean, not, they're a lot smarter now than, than we were. Yeah, you could tell yeah, them anything. But they're still fairly excited about trying new things. They're still right. interested. Um, there's not as much coaxing um, that you have to do to kind of get them to buy in. Um, I, during the spring, every Tuesday and Friday, did like just 30 minutes of games, like just online games, chatting it up, just catching up, seeing what's going on. Um, we played gibberish. We played some of their games from like school. Like we just had fun and we laughed. And those are the things that really are going to make or break kids. For just sure. ability for them to kind of let loose as kids. Um, yep. And I think, you know, I, I don't like it. Um, and I have conversations with parents often. Kids are not little adults. They're kids. And let them be little people as long as humanly, humanly possible. They grow and up very, very, very fast. They grow very, very fast. And we've got to allow them the space to do what little people do. Little people scream, they jump, they holler, they make noise. Unfortunately, they break things, you know, but we were little people too. And that's what we did. And in this environment of being, you know, in the house and with the winter coming and not knowing what that's going to look like, we've got to allow them the space to be kids. Um, I feel for parents that have to work. I feel for parents that are, um, almost feel like they have to make a decision, like you said before from your previous podcast between my kid and my job. And, and I think there's a balance. And I think if you have older children, you know, if you have children who are 10 and older, this is obviously a much easier task to deal with. I feel for parents of kindergartners and first graders right now because they can't do anything on their own. Um, but I have, um, heard of a lot of people, some of that for those parents where there's a house that all of those kids are kind of like in a group mm-hmm. and they're collectively as parents, there might be a leader who does the main teaching, but they're figuring it out, um, amongst these little pods and it's really ingenious and a creative way to do it. So they might still be doing all of the district things that they're using. They're not going cyber charter. They, they're just doing those pods within even their own school district. Um, and so that could also be something to consider for parents who are in like this crunch, because I, I wholeheartedly feel for them. Parents did not sign up to be teachers. That's what, that's what we're here for, for. I say that's my superpower. That's what I'm best at. I am no, best. No, I completely, completely agree with that. And so from, I, I think you I don't think any teacher doesn't recognize the challenge that parents are going to have at home because guess what? Teachers have kids too. Like they're not robots. So teachers are going to have to say you have a three-year-old kid that, you know, normally would be at daycare. Yep. Or not at daycare and you go to school and whatever you have the same problem. Yep. So teachers do understand, you know, especially even from, you know, being in corporate America, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm very thankful for the company I work for because they've been very, um, very understanding. And there are people mm-hmm. have been working. I mean, we, all the office people have been working from home, Yes. but, and we mobilized very quickly, but okay. even in corporate America, you know, there has to be some understanding because there are single moms, there are single dads there are th- the parents work, you know, they both work. So they're both at home trying to get their stuff done. Then their kids have to get go. Like, it's just a big snowball effect. But yes. when, when you really break it down, 
you know, the, the conversation about the challenges that you have, look, I have friends that are on the school board here Mm -hmm. and they're amazing people. They have kids in, um, in upper Marion. Mm -hmm. And I know for a fact, they might not say it out loud, but I know for a fact that the decision they had to make, it may have been one of the toughest decisions they've ever had to make in their life. You're not talking about, you know, just, you know, everyone's like, Oh, well the kids, it's like, well, you have to talk about all the elementary schools, the middle school and the high school. You're talking thousands of people. And bus drivers and aides and staff. I mean, it's just, I was, I sat on some reopening meetings, even in Sheltonham where I teach and just the list of things that were required um, from the department of education to be included in the reopening plan were, I mean, when I say pages and pages of things that normal people don't think of, like, I didn't think about these things until I saw this plan come through. And I'm like, it's, it was a lose-lose situation. Right. It was just impossible. There are so many things. And you think about districts who are a little bit more affluent, right? And do have a little bit more of the means to try to put some things in place. And then you take a look at districts that are even not too far, who have very different financial portfolio and expect them to be able to work this miracle. Um, Educators around around this country are just torn. Um, I think one of the other big conversations that educators are very fearful of and school districts are, is the special education conversation. Um, because we know that there are children who have special needs. Um, We know that there are children that have exceptionalities. And we also want to do our best to try to meet those needs. Um, And parents of special needs students are also under a tremendous amount of stress, stress a lot of times because their kids are behind or have these exceptionalities that make learning more challenging for them. Um, And so we feel for them. And we're trying to find the best ways to incorporate them and meet their needs um, because we have to. It's not an option. Like we don't have an option to not um, follow their educational plan. And so as Labor Day nears, we are scram- we're still scrambling because the plan was, or we didn't have the plan. There were possible hybrid schedules. There were all of these things. And if you think about it, most school districts are voting either last week or this week, which gives school districts three weeks to kind of solidify some plans and to make this huge pivot to fully virtual when for for most of the summer, we've all been planning on trying to come back. And so you're going to be educators frantically trying to figure out what's happening. I, for example, had a week and a half trying to ready as much stuff as I can virtually because I won't see my kids in, in, in person anymore. Right. Um, and it's a, tr- it's a very daunting task when that's not how you were trained to do your job. So I guess from my perspective, do you, I've heard nothing, but, um, we'll just say there was a rough go from March through the end of the year last year, right? Mm-hmm. The last school year. Do you mm-hmm. think that you and, and we'll just stick with you. Do you think mm-hmm. you're more, do you think you're better prepared for this going in to I this am. new school year? I am for sure. Um, I, I, I saw several pitfalls and I found, I fell into some quicksand last spring um, just trying to figure some things out. Um, but I kind of knew it was happening. And all summer, I was kind of in the mindset, even if I go back in September with an in-person start, I knew that at some point we would end up virtually. So in my mind, all summer, I was planning the things that I knew I needed to do to have my kids be good online learners. So even if I went back in September, I was going to plan two to three weeks of just, hey, here's how we do everything online. Right. But that literally, so in my mind, yes, I feel better prepared. Um, I think 
people have to take some responsibility for their own skill set. Sure. Um, and, and in any profession, you have to keep up what's go with what's going on in your profession. And so I took some time this summer to really dig into best practices for online education. What tools are great? What, what things are great for um, the age bracket and the demographic that I teach? what I need um, in order for that. I've requested certain, you know, access to websites or subscriptions that we didn't have before in hopes of maybe getting some other tools to put in my toolbox. And I think you're gonna find that there are a number of teachers and educators um, and aides and administrators who have kind of been trying to plan for a dual path for the majority of the summer. Right. So okay. better prepared, extremely sure. nervous. Yeah. Extre when I say extremely nervous. More so um, than normal. More so than normal. Normally this time of year, I'm getting in my last little bit of vacation and, you yeah. know, enjoying some sun. I'm like, okay, I got it. I got to like start to wake up like a normal person, you know, <laughs> and, and all that. But this I won't tell everyone that you just got up from a nap. <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> I just did. <laughs> Um, but definitely, definitely a, a hint more anxiety than in years past. Right. And that's understandable. That's understandable. So I guess from your perspective as well, look, when we, when we were in fifth grade, there was zero chance any of this stuff was getting done. Right. So, and I think, you know, technology plays a big role in this because I know, you know, when my kids were younger and, and they're older now, so they didn't have like quite the technology there is now, but mm -hmm. I see my nephew who's 11 years old. Like he, he's, first of all, he's super intelligent. He'll go, he'll think of something, he'll YouTube it and watch 1700 videos on it. <laughs> they all but, do. Yeah. I mean, but do you, yeah. Right. So yeah. And everything on the internet's true. Um, <laughs> exactly. So I think, so I guess from your perspective, are you, I think you're kind of in a, not in the worst spot. Right. So I think it's more, it's probably more attention, right? You mean for the kids? Yeah. Yeah. So we've got kids who are already addicted to their devices, right? These devices and social media platforms. And they, in school, are distracted. Right. So they can have a laptop or a device in school and not be doing what they're supposed to be doing in school with the teacher present. And I so I feel, for parents. I feel for parents because I could ruffle a few more feathers in my environment and kind of get them back on task. But as a parent, you don't, you don't want to fight them all day about yeah, yeah. doing work, but attention yeah, is a definite. Everyone a has definite that different issue. stress. Yeah. Everyone has a different yeah. kind of stress. Um, and as a, as an educator, um, whatever my biggest recommendation to any parent would be to for this virtual, whatever that looks like, whether it's hybrid and then some at home or fully virtual, get to a routine, dig your heels in as a parent and really stick to it. Um, right. That is what kids respond to. As much as they fight it, kids really respond to structure. And so yeah. if that means the structure revolves around your work schedule, um, then it revolves around your work schedule. I know that we in Sheltonham are probably going to have to do some um, synchronous live teaching, but also record those videos so that they're accessible to anybody who missed it. Um, and hopefully most districts are finding ways to be creative because everybody may not be able to log on at 934 math lesson, you know, like right. if it's an older kid, let's just say it's the high school kid who has two younger siblings at home. And maybe they can't log into their lecture at that specific time because mom or dad or whomever isn't there and they have the they've been given the task of looking after little ones. Like those right. are those are real situations that are gonna happen every day to kids. Um, but whatever the routine is, that's gonna be the most important. Um, as as an educator, I gave my parents sample. Um, sample schedules, sample routines, but I also gave them in the in the spring a work at your own pace. You know, I'm still waiting for direction from my school district about what specifically that's going to look like, so I can start to get things together for the parents. Um, but it's all going to be a learning curve, and and I think if I could say anything, just be gentle with everybody you 
you have to interact with. We've never right. taught like this. Parents have never endured this. And us getting angry at each other is not going to get us anywhere. I completely agree. I completely agree. I, you know, I, I feel like we all need to maybe take that step back. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I've, I, I mean, I've offered to a lot of my friends that have like, even my nephew, my sister's like, you know, I'm stressed out. I'm like, send them up here. I'll come get them. I'll sit him down right next to me while I'm doing my work. Mm -hmm. He can do his work. Mm -hmm. And if he has a problem, yeah. I'll help him with it. And I think yeah. right now, specifically right now is that whole, it takes a village, you know, to, to, to raise kids. Right. So I think your point was very well taken, at least for me. And I, I have a pretty good feeling people are going to be more um, receptive to this because th this is important. This is what's going on right now. This is mm -hmm. what people are going through. And, you know, to make assumptions. And again, a few years ago, I'd be like, ah, teachers, I don't want to just don't want to work. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've learned to take a step back and, and, you know, with a lot of other things and even the other things that are going on in this world, I'm, I'm not just, not just listening. I'm like, I'm actually hearing what people are saying. So I agree, Lisa, I think, you know, you and all the educators and administrators and, and janitors and, you know, transportation people, you, you don't have it easy. You don't. And, you know, you're, you're dealing with so many different dynamics right now and you're mm -hmm. dealing with, you know, so many people and the livelihoods of people. You know, I mean, if yes. a kid gets sick and they take it home to their parent and their parent can't work and their parent does have no, has no income and the domino effect is just, is, could be devastating. Um, yeah, it's, now, it's frightening. It really yeah. is frightening um, to, to be in an environment, to know the background of so many different people and to have played out, well, if this was so-and-so, this is going to be an issue because he lives with his 70 five-year-old grandmother who's already sickly. Right. Um, and I have a number of, I have a number of students now who are raised by grandparents. Sure. We, we had it like that when we were going through school. Yeah. Um, and so there's that. And then there's the part of me that knows that not opening school impacts kids who were on free and reduced lunch. And, you know, mm -hmm. they could come to school and get a hot meal. It, it, it scares me for the kids who are in abusive households where they come to school and school is the safest place for them. I mean, there are, there are layers upon layers. It, it wasn't an easy decision for everybody. And, you know, this is when as an individual, you get with your village, like you said, and you check in on everybody, whether yeah. you think they need checking in on or not, because you just don't know um, what's going on. Like when we were coming up, all of the neighbors knew us, all, every yep. neighbor, even yep. the old ones that didn't want us on their lawns, they, they knew us. And if something yep. happened, it wasn't that you go in your door, you shut the door, they go in theirs. And there's no, there's no community the way that it was that even when we were coming up. Right, yeah. You know, you know, to not know your neighbors next door, to not really know what's going on with them or to kind of keep to yourself, we're not going to survive like that. Yeah. And we really have to find a way to reconnect as humanity um, and be kind and just, yeah. just to be flat out kind. I mean, simple things I see when people are in Target or in the grocery store, I was like, you know, it's not going anywhere. Like you don't have to run everybody over. Um, but in the last six months, I've seen such a change in people um, and not necessarily for the best. And so I'm hoping that we can figure out how to take care of our children collectively um, over the course of the next couple months, because a lot of things are going to be different for them. Halloween will be different. Thanksgiving will be different. Hanukkah, mm -hmm. Christmas, Rum. I mean, if you name it, Kwanzaa, yeah. Valentine's Day, I mean, it's all going to be very different for kids who have experienced it a certain way for yep. so long. Mm -hmm. And we just have to figure out how to, the, the end goal between the school and the parents is to figure out how to take care, how to best take care of our kids. Sure. And if I feel like if we just keep that in our focus, we can figure it out. It doesn't have to be one against the other, which is what 
um, the conversations have looked like for so much of the last few months. This is a societal issue. This is not a teachers versus parents versus kids versus taxpayers. Like it's, it's a societal issue. And, you know, this is, this is the time. And again, this is my opinion. I'll just make an I statement. I believe that if, if people were to be a little bit less judgmental and uh-huh. maybe listened and heard a little bit more mm-hmm. and realized that, look, there are some really terrible people out there. You know, we know that with everything that's going on in the world, there are just terrible, terrible people. But there's a lot of really good people too with really, really good intentions. And, you know, these, at some point, we all need to realize that the way that we do this is going to affect the generations behind us, right? So these five, six, seven-year-old kids that are coming up, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, you know, I, I hate sounding like a, like a parent, but you know, they're, they're going to run the world one day. They and if we don't do this, the, yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. I mean, there's, there are people that are younger than us that are, you know, big, big movers and shakers in the government. So they're the people making decisions and, you know, I, I, I think very often because, you know, in demand planning and, and supply chain, I always say, you know, if we're right, it's by accident. We're always wrong. We either have too much or too little, or, you know, if there's a process that might be broken, kind of like the situation we're going through right now, you know, it's not the best way, but it's the best way we know right now. And right. as, as time progresses and time moves on, and I think if people, in general, just took a step back and looked at the bigger picture. This is all temporary, you know? It is. Like, and, and, and at the end of it, we're going to come out with some happy coincidences. Yep. Because what's happening now is changing the way that we will do things for years to come, because we're going to find out some things through this very odd experiment that we're going to take and really be able to benefit and change our course. I mean, our education system is antiquated and this might be one of the things that really spurs on revolution and change in an industry that really has been light years behind all of the things that have been happening. And so I'm looking at it more from that point of view. could possibly happen with the way that we educate children just because we were forced into a situation that we didn't see see coming. I I mentioned this a lot to a lot of people, and that's what I was trying to allude to earlier. I probably got completely off task, but or off topic, but I think there's a lot of opportunity, right? So entrepreneurs, you know, I told mm-hmm. my kids flat out, I said, if you have any idea of anything you want to try or do, do it right now. Right now is the time to try to create something. And, you know, if it fails now, then it fails. That's fine. But now take the opportunity. But, you know, one of the things you mentioned earlier about, you know, you're probably going to do some live teaching, um, but also do recorded sessions. So one of the byproducts of a recorded session is that Mm -hmm. the school is going to be able to build a library, like a legitimate library for someone to come in and say, you know what, Miss Garrison, I don't remember what you talked about. Yep. You can be like, I, I talked about that here and they go back and yep. they're able to see your face. They're able mm-hmm. to hear exactly what everyone else heard. Yep. And I think that's an opportunity. I mean, look, I did all of my education online, all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I couldn't have, you know, I had kids and I couldn't afford to, uh, to, you know, go live at a college, but mm-hmm. You know, I was able to do my, my work at three o'clock in the morning. I was able to do it whenever I had time. So, you know, there might end up being something that comes out of this, maybe a, a junior or a senior, or even a college student that comes out and says, I have a better way. And they create a platform where it's super easy. Yep. Who knows, I, right? I, who, who knows? And that's the thing. We're all just figuring it out as we go. I figure out something new every day in preparation for going back. It's just the nature, the nature of the beast right now. I'm fever. Mm-hmm. Okay. I need to learn this platform or I need to learn how to integrate this and that. And I need to streamline this for students and what tool. Can I, and I, I literally, there's just this learning curve 
um, that's coming. And I mean, kids are the most creative beings and they stop being creative sometimes because we pigeonhole them into old standards. Sure. They're living in a totally different world. I literally had this conversation earlier today with one of my friends whose mom is a, she's a retired teacher, but Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if parents actually give their kids enough credit because kids are really smart. And the one thing, the one thing that I always go back to is resilience. Yes. You know, it's, it's just something it's inherent in, in the majority of, of kids. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if a parent's like, Oh, this is going to be terrible and you're negative, negative, negative. It's like, okay, well that that's kind of the experience you're probably going to get. Yep. But if you're like, Hey, look, let's make the best of it, you know, go on and, you know, maybe the one day they wear it, you have like a funny hat day. I mean, you're, you're right in that wheelhouse of being, you know, wear your favorite sport team shirt, wear your favorite hat or like, you know, paint your face or something like that. There's a lot of opportunity. So I, I, I having this conversation with you, Lisa, obviously 20, 20 some years, a little bit late, but yeah, it's, it's given me as a parent, um, it's, it's opened my eyes a little bit more because I didn't know a lot a lot of the stuff. And mm-hmm. it, it's really no different than you saying, Hey, John, I need an air conditioner and me saying, well, we don't really have them right now. And then you freaking out. And I'm like, well, it's because of all these yeah. different things that happened. Yep. And, you know, I, I think that's the, that's a detail. Like not everyone needs to know every single detail, right? If they did, then there would be no need for teachers. Mm-hmm. There'd be no need for a CEO. There would be no need for anyone. Like there's certain levels and things that have to be done and said, Mm-hmm. And look, parents don't have the bandwidth to manage life and be able to teach their kids. Mm-mm. But I think right now, if there's, I think I'm very happy with the conversation the way it went. I'm very happy with what I heard from your perspective. Yeah. And you're in a different school district than where my kids go. Yeah, I, I, I think collectively, school districts are managing the best that they can. And The other thing I think that people fail to realize is that while the state of Pennsylvania is giving guidance, every superintendent and every county has kind of just been like, well, how do you want us to do all of this? You know, nobody wanted to make that call. There's no plan. There's no plan. And so I And because there can't be a plan. That's it. And I give superintendent in Montgomery County, a lot of credit for banding together, for communicating to each other. And it only took one school district to really say, we're going 100% virtual. And I don't know if you noticed, then um, Norristown went virtual and Sheltonham went virtual. And now Upper Marion is going virtual because there's power in numbers. And when you hear that, hey, there's a lot of school districts doing this. Maybe there really is something to this. It takes some of the, the anger away from it when you start to see so many. All of the superintendents who had an impossible, impossible decision to make. Um, and my superintendent really, I was really moved because in his letter he spoke about how um, losing one life is one life too many. For sure. And he, Absolutely. And he couldn't sit with the decision of reopening schools, knowing that that was a possibility. Sure. Um, and it was really nice to see my superintendent's um, humanity come through because we forget that our leaders are people sometimes. We forget that they have emotions and feelings and children and families. And then they come through in a way that is very authentic and is very relatable and families needed that the staff needed that to kind of boost morale and say yeah let's figure out how to get this done within our circumstances right yeah it's yeah you said it you said it perfectly you know um i'm just I have so many things going through them. I could probably talk for hours and hours and, and we'll, we'll have to do this again for sure. That's what I was about um, to say. Once we're in the throes of everything. Yeah. Yeah. 
you check back with me and you know, I'll probably look a little uh, frantic, but um, I would love to have this conversation again, you know, once we're back in it, you know, what's going on, um, you know, just once we're, once we're back in. Um, right. And I would love to have the, even have the conversation with some parents at the same time, you know, sure. Um, just to kind of bounce off the people that I'm, I'm going to be emailing and talking to and, and um, you know, I, I love the conversation. I'm, I'm really grateful um, to kind of you share your platform with me today because I've been saying this on Facebook um, frantically over the but last. There's only time. so much you can actually type, right? And you can't, you can't come across with emotions. Like that's, we, we may be the last of the group of people that actually are willing to have a conversation and not just communicate through an email or through yeah. a text message. You know, I'm, I'm actually now with my kids. I'm like, send me a video. I want to see your face. I want to see it move in. Yeah. I want to see you. Right. Um, so I think, you know, I, I'm going to, I, again, Lisa, I, I really appreciate you being on here, but I do want to have further conversations because, you know, this is such a, it's just such a really messed up time. And to gain perspective, um, I have a completely different perspective. I mean, look, I, I respect, I respect teachers and, and my kids get so angry because I'll reach out to their teachers, even as you know, I was, I met with my, my oldest daughter's teacher last year because she was struggling in the class and I went in and the teacher was kind of, you know, a little apprehensive and mm -hmm. I'm a little, I'm on a large side, right? <laughs> and, you know, the, the shaved head because it's all gone now. And, but I'm a big, um, I'm a big believer in that, you know, teachers have a tough job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know a lot of parents that just are not involved. And I hope that this opens their eyes a little bit more. You're just one perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but the perspective I'm getting from you is what I'm getting from a lot of the other teachers as well. And even, you know, sports coaches, like I, I, yeah. I'm, I literally cried. I had tears in my eyes writing the email to my baseball players saying that our season is canceled. Yeah. And, you know, when I did that, um, it struck a chord with me. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the reason. I, I, I want to be sure I'm not just coaching baseball players is mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say is I'm, I'm trying to uh, mentor these young men, right? You build a character. Sure. And, and it's down, comes down to that integrity thing. You know, there's, could I have gotten a team together and had like an unofficial season? A hundred percent. I could have. But I don't want to put that kid whose parent is so afraid mm -hmm. for them to play a sport and being around other people. And baseball is a dirty, disgusting sport. You're spitting on your hands. You're spitting on the ball. You're, you're high-fiving. Like it's, you know, okay. you're wearing the same equipment. You're sweating on each other. And, and that's probably the most uh, – probably other than tennis. Mm -hmm. Golf is probably one of the most spread out, like less physically, you know, touching yeah. sports. But your perspective is um, – it's refreshing because it makes, first of all, it makes me feel not so crazy, right? No, you're not crazy. Um, but I, I hope this opens people's eyes a little bit. And they have that, um, I hope they heard that word empathy. Because I actually, mm -hmm. again, I don't know if you've ever listened to this or not, but I actually have one based on empathy um, about some things that I've been through in my career. Um, and again, you won't hurt my feelings if you never listen to anything other than this one, or even if you don't listen to this one, that's okay too. But, you know, as far as having the communication, you know, I know that you've been, you're, you're very passionate about your, um, your teaching, right. And you're meant, cause you're not just teaching, right. You're mentoring all these kids. So every year you get a block of kids, you mentor them and they go up. Mm -hmm. um, and then you also have other teach other children whose kids, you know, they're made to have a, have had an older sibling that was like, yeah. you're going to have so much fun in this Garrison's class. It's going to be the had, best. I've had, and it's the biggest compliment to get parent requests because they didn't just trust you. The, the first time they might not have had a choice to trust you with their little, but then when you get a parent request and you get the second one and then you get another parent request and it's the third one. And then by the time it's over, you end up having five out of five. That is the biggest compliment that any educator could ever have. 
Sure. Um, you know, we just love, we love what we do. We wouldn't do it if we didn't love it. Is it hard? Yes. Is it grueling? Yes. Sometimes is it thankless? Yes. Um, I want to say no teacher sets out to fight with a parent. No teacher sets it out to have anything against a kid. Um, we want the best for them. In most cases, depending on how the year, year goes at my age bracket, by the end of the year, I've fallen in love with most of them. Sure. Um, because you can't spend seven hours a day, 180 days in a year, and not actually start to not just like them, but to love their little quirks and their idiosyncrasies. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that I am grieving this year. Sure. I am grieving little people interaction. I'm grieving their energy. They keep me young. They keep me on my toes. I don't have a choice but to stay on top of all the TikTok dances, to know all of the lingo, to know all of those things because I have to incorporate that to keep them engaged. Yep. Uh, and so as an educator, I will miss, I will miss little people interactions. I will miss sure. their laughter. I will miss most of their screaming, um, <laughs> you know, but it's, I'm looking forward to continuing these conversations. Like you, you know, get at me anytime, as you can see. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would love to be a part of this ongoing conversation with you. Absolutely. I think, I think it's going to be important as we go along and as we move forward, like I'm going to have um, uh, one of the school board directors on here as well. She's, she's one of my favorite people outside mm -hmm. of that, but she's very, very smart. And, you know, she has, um, she has a daughter who's going to be a senior. She has a son who's in eighth grade. So it's, it's last year of high school, last year of middle school. And she has one that's going into first grade. So they're, they're all missing that. Big years. Like that, yeah. They're big, big, big years. years. Big. Yeah. And, you know, I have a lot of friends that, you know, their kids are going into their first year of school or their kids graduating. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it broke, of, it broke my heart. Pointed seniors who it, their senior year got cut short and now their freshman year is not going to really be freshman year as we knew it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been one of the, the challenges. Like my, um, my youngest daughter's a cheerleader and she was, you know, most likely going to be on the varsity squad. Would think she would be. She's good enough, and not just because she's my kid. I'm the hardest on my kids, but you know, I think she's going to miss that. And you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter, is a volleyball player. And even if the PIAA and the state let them play, there's I can't go to a game. We're not allowed to go. Yeah, which no I'm okay with that because I, you know, there are kids whose parents never come, so I don't want to be the reason for that mm -hmm. for my kid not to be able to play a sport. So yeah. that, that's a whole other thing that, you know, we could talk about later, but Lisa, I appreciate your time. I really, really do. And, and I hope that, I hope that, um, the parents that your kids, you know, that, that you're going to be teaching their kids. And I hope that they, I know the kids will understand, but I hope the parents realize, you know, what kind of, you know, you're, you're a teacher, but you're a, a human being first. Right. So I hope that they understand that you are doing everything you can. And I hope that the people that listen to this and that, that might watch mm -hmm. us on YouTube, that they're able to sit back and be like, you know what? That teacher is really has the best interest of everyone in mind. And you're just trying to do, you're not just trying to do your job. You're trying to, I mean, you're educating these kids on stuff that, you know, quite frankly, I'm sure we didn't even learn in fifth grade. So it's a completely different world. You know, technology, I think, is going to be probably going to be your friend. It might be a parent's nightmare. Um, but the kids are all, I think kids in general are they're not. Uh, yeah, they're not. They're not. They can do this and have a conversation. Yeah. And we were like, put all of your stuff down and focus. And they actually are focused. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's just going to be a very interesting ride. And um, everybody just buckle your seatbelts and get ready. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look again, I, I appreciate your time and, and, um, I, I wish you nothing but success. I, it, again, it's, it's a shame because I've, I finally, st this whole quarantine thing has given me, um, a little bit of a different, actually a very different perspective where, 
you know, I should just be reaching out to people and, and, yeah. and kind of getting into a position. Like it, it's not like we, I don't want to get into it. Like we didn't like hang out in school. We hung out with different crowds, but okay. at the end of the day, like we're all still people that have the same kind of interests. And, mm-hmm. you know, after this conversation, I'm, I'm very disappointed that we didn't hang out in high school. Cause I, I'm sure we probably would have had you know, a lot more in common, but um, I'm really proud of what you're doing. I'm really proud that you're, you're standing up for not only for yourself, but you're standing up for the children and their safety and their health and, and their family. And um, good for you. Good for you. I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of that. Thank you. And let's do some, let's really hook up and find some outdoor seating and really, you know, hang. Yeah, we could do that for sure. Absolutely. I think quarantine has changed us all. Yeah, for sure. I, um, it's funny because I had, uh, for the first time in, um, in 20 years, I had my three best friends all together and we went out on my boat for the day and it was just, it was such an enjoyable day. And, um, it, it ended a little bit kind of like it was when we were in high school, yeah. um, you know, but, uh, yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd love to. I've had the same thing. Like people that I was like, we kind of just grew apart. Quarantine has had a really interesting way of bringing, bringing us back full circle. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm but yeah, we, you take if, care. Yeah, you too. If we can, uh, if we can do this in person, I'm definitely down to do that. Um, and even just, you know, maybe, um, you just catch up or whatever, but, uh, I really do appreciate your time. You're welcome. And, uh, I'll just, I'll kind of close this out. Um, everybody, this is John from the bumbling Yeti. We have the cameras backed up. That's Lisa Garrison. She is a fifth grade teacher at, in the Cheltenham school district, uh, class in 1997, upper Marion, once a Viking, always a Viking. Right. Um, so, uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this. I, I would love to hear a little bit um, from everyone, I'll post this on Facebook and Instagram. I think Instagram, I'm not sure. I'm still struggling with the whole distribution of this. Um, but I'd love to get some, some feedback on this because this is a topic that is going to get much, much hotter uh, over the course of the next month and probably through the end of the year. So uh, again, Lisa, I appreciate your time. It's great catching up with you. You look amazing. Um, you, you look, you actually look exactly like you did in high school. Me, not so much. It's all gray. The hair is gone. So and good. I'm, your wisdom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's terrible hair genes. My mom was like this when she was like 30. So she didn't have a goatee, but it was the top of her head. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate it. And, uh, again, this is John from the bumbling Yeti with Lisa Garrison and, um, let us know what you think. Uh, episode 24, I believe. Yeah, it's 24. Um, but we'll probably, no, we'll, you know what? We'll definitely have more episodes with Lisa on just to try to figure oh, out exactly yeah. how we can make um, not only her situation and all of our situations better, but how to make the world a better place. So thank you again, everybody. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you later.